0: Please remain standing as we continue to worship with a reading from Isaiah 40, 10 through 18. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and whom made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge And showed him the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are like a drop in a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness compare with him? This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Well, say hi to someone as you find your seats. Hey, good morning. <laughs> Good thing that wasn't super
1: essential to the thing. Um, I'm Chris, I'm lead teaching pastor here at Riverstone. I'm glad you're here. Welcome if you're a guest. I hope you feel at home today. Uh, We are in a series, uh, just started last week, called Churchianity. Uh, Let me get you up to speed on what we mean when we say that word. Um, Last week, we pointed out the difference between churchianity and Christianity, and then looked at the difficulty to biblically distinguish Jesus from his church. So that's a... That's a, that's a big idea there, distinguishing Jesus from his church. The New Testament guy seemed to be intentionally blurring the lines between Jesus and his church. So, how did they do that? Well, they called the church things like the body of Christ. Hmm. Jesus said things like, I'm the vine, and you guys are the branches. Last week, we sat with this unity between Jesus and the church that's really challenging for us to grasp, modern people, just as people who claim to follow Jesus. So last week, we said when the church is fully alive to God, continually submitting to his love and his power and his priorities, they become the body of Christ, his active agency in the world. But when Christians decide they know better than God, Or or walk in just blatant sin and rebellion. Maybe it's church leadership, moral failures, or Christians just living unexamined lives of hypocrisy and carelessness. When Christians live like that, we said last week, but still insist on being a Christian. I go to church. I do the thing. When that happens, two things happen. Okay, you guys got the picture? So, blatant rebellion against God, but I'm still a Christian. I go to church, right? I know better than God. I don't listen to God. I don't obey God, but I'm still a Christian. Okay, we tracking? Okay, when that happens, thank you, Rosemary, they become, number one, the church becomes as grotesque as Thing from the Adams Family. Remember Thing? Remember Thing from the Adams Family? That's gross. No one's like, yes, I would love to be a a hand disconnected from, no, no one jumps into that. No one wants to get a part of that. All right, second, second thing that happens when Christians do the cultural Christian thing and go to church and yes, I'm not like, but, but live in full rebellion against God. Second thing that happens is Romans 2.24 says, the name of God is blasphemed among unbelievers because of you. So, since we use blasphemed all the time, I don't think I need to, let me just, real quick, blasphemed, I didn't have, who's, who used blaspheme this week? Anyone? No? Okay. So, blaspheme, it's a verb, it's an aggressive action towards something that reviles the thing. It de- defames it, it demeans it, it belittles it, it's public slander. It means you drag the name in the mud. The same word is used to describe people mocking, or they, this is the word they described when they railed at Jesus on the cross, All right? It's derogatory, it's public, All right? The Bible says that's what Christians do when they've ignored God, but still pretend like they follow him. Notice, that is the exact opposite thing that we were created to do in Genesis one. We were created to repris- image God to the world. To be his image. And when we misrepresent him, he says we blaspheme the name of God among the Gentiles. So last week, we just said churchianity allows you uh, to be in church, but never personally deal with Jesus himself or go about representing him to the world in any real way or in accuracy. So last week, if if you were a kid's volunteer, if you were a kid's volunteer, raise your hand last week. Don't be scared. Okay. I am so sorry. Like I went a solid 20 minutes, like a solid 20 minutes over last week. I just want to say that'll never happen again. (laughs) Probably. Probably. I have trouble committing to things like that. Maybe. It's hard to say. But maybe Maybe it won't happen again. Uh, So today, what I want to do further is refine this difference between churchianity and Christianity. I want to say the same thing in a completely new way, use a new word, um, but let's just lay our foundation one more time if you're new with us today. Churchianity is defined as this. This is how we defined it last week. It's a made-up word, so we can define it however we want. Last week we said it's this. It's the, it's the culturally established framework and social product of church. The socially established framework and social product of Church, it's the thing, Christianity is the thing that most people think of when they think of church, okay? Got it? It's kind of the cultural associations, okay, with, when you say Christian, okay, whatever the first thing is that pops in any common person's mind, which, right, when you say Christian, okay, there it is, that's what we're talking about, okay? You can say it this way, Christianity, Christianity is what the Bible actually says it means to follow Jesus. Christianity is like the word on the street. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you're tracking? And sometimes the contrast between these two things is shocking. Like we said last week, it's like playing telephone and starting with, uh, what, what do we say? Oh, I love hot dogs. And ending with the game, they say, my mom's a dinosaur, right? Sometimes it's that shocking. The difference between what the Bible actually says it means to follow Jesus and how church people understand what it means to follow Jesus. Christianity revolves around Christ. Christianity revolves around you. It revolves around a social club, right? And I really just want you to have this I man. I just want this horrible word to be seared in your head. Look, I know how church works. You, probably, I mean, most people like three years at a church, right? And then they get bored with what the pastor says, and they go on to another church. Okay, so whatever, wherever you end up with your Christian life, I just want this to be seared in your head. There's a difference between socially accepted religion and knowing Jesus. Big difference, y'all. Like, like maybe, maybe the word would be like from death to life kind of difference. Maybe they would be like, I'm drowning to like, I'm thriving, that kind of difference. Like social understanding of what it means to be a Christian versus knowing the living Christ himself. So so that's the contrast that we're dealing with. And I want to say the exact same thing in a completely new way today. And just a quick disclaimer, this is going to feel a little different than normal. Uh, This is going to be more of a historical cultural reflection, less of a sermon expounding on the scriptures. I promise I'll make up for it next week with the amount of scripture I'm going to use. But number two, I encountered a lot of this content, specifically this chart from a a pastor named Aaron McCarter, who is the vineyard pastor in Maryville Vineyard. Um, I'm not this smart that I'm going to show you. I just like to hang out with smart people. So. I'm going to use a different word for the word uh, churchianity, and that word is Christendom. So that's why we tried to share that video that failed, because he kind of explained it. Christendom, what's that? What's that? Christendom, like you can look it up, that's a real word. I'm going to use a real word today, all right? All right, you like that? Uh, Christendom, (laughs) Christendom is defined, you can look it up, it's defined as Christian society. Christian society, Christian, Christendom is the society, the social structures that are created when Christianity takes root in any given time or place or ethnic group. Okay, so let me be, be really clear. Um, It always starts, Christendom always starts as a really, really good, life-giving, redeeming thing. Usually involves things like hospitals being founded, schools starting, right? Orphanages opened, equity and justice working its way into the judicial system. Read some history. The abolition of the slave trade, all right? William Wilberforce was a Christian, all right? So massively good things for society, right? If you go back and actually look throughout history, you will find it's Christians, y'all usually at the helm of things like medicine and education and social reforms it's just historically true okay so I want to show you a chart that really helped me see some distinctions and even locate ourselves in these historical trends um I had uh go ahead Vanessa show the first bit I had Vanessa like uh, well that's weird isn't it yeah you think I think you need to clear out the background I think you've had a little issue there Um, So this chart, as soon as they work it out, (laughs) starts with Jesus. There we go. Thank you. That's much more visible. Thank you. Okay. Uh, It starts with with Christianity. It starts with the cross, the action of God revealed in Christ to ransom mankind to God himself, right? Out of darkness to be fully alive to God. It's the real deal. This is how it starts. Okay. Christianity, the substance of Christianity, the real center of the whole thing, Uh, the real part of Christianity that gives it its integrity and power and sustaining strength, right? When Christianity takes root in any people group, this is Holy Spirit-empowered, authentic Jesus-following Christianity. It's Book of Acts Christianity, okay? Starts with Jesus, getting hold of people's hearts. Just think of any historic revival. That's what I'm talking about. right. Authentic Christianity. You get humans electrified and catalyzed into the mission of God in the earth. Right. Um, What does that look like? Read Acts 2. Read the book of Acts. People start exhibiting crazy, over the top, radical generosity to others. Right. They start moving towards the outcast and the sick and the hurting, just like Jesus did. You see things, when Christianity starts to pop up in its real truest form in any society, you see things like supernatural healings, just like you saw in the ministry of Jesus. A lot of times, historically, um, it's accompanied by suspicion at best or persecution at worst from the surrounding society, right? Nevertheless, the action of Jesus creates this new community. A new society emerges, people who are full of the love of God and the power of God. And they look around, and they realize that the world is broken, right? They say, and God puts it in their hearts to actually do something about it. So they do something about it. They team up together. They start uh, forming foundations and businesses and orphanages and Christian schools are established. Hospitals with the names of saints are started. Are we tracking? St. Joseph's in Atlanta. Okay, we, hello. Hello. Okay, St. Mary's Hospital, they start changing society. They start working out new creation as they understand it to everyone around them. Laws begin to reflect Christian ideals and equity. Crime goes down, humanitarian aid goes up. It's awesome. And lo and behold, y'all, when people begin to walk in the ways of Jesus, society flourishes. And this happens, it's just historically true. Remember, I'm talking about true Christianity when it takes root, right? Now, as Christianity establishes itself as the cultural norm, as it becomes more and more institutionalized, for example, to get a job as a doctor now, you need to be a Christian. To get a job as a lawyer in this society, you need to show that you're a Christian because this is a Christian hospital. And this is a Christian law firm. And this is a Christian business. And you, inevitably, it, it creates and then Christendom. Are we tracking? Okay, it's the impact of true Christianity on any society. And as Christianity becomes Listen to the words I'm saying. We're in the, I know where we're at, y'all. We're in the Bible Belt South. All right? So listen to the words I'm saying. All right? As Christianity becomes the societal expectation, when that happens, you inevitably get people who want access to success and power, but want nothing to do with Jesus. Because it's the societal norm. It's the structures in society that push things around, right? You get priests and pastors who don't love Jesus in the least, but church has become the main power structure in society. So do I want people to think I'm awesome? Do I want people to be respect me and never challenge me? People to revere me? Yeah, all right, well, I'm going to seminary. Because that's the people in my society that people never challenge and listen to and revere and respect. Y'all, this idea okay, (laughs) of pursuing social power without having to deal with Jesus or God is exactly what Jesus was addressing in his ministry. This is exactly the thing Jesus kind of points out, right? He says, listen, hey man, when you pray, don't be like the guys who work the system and pray only in public, nice and loud, so that everyone can hear and applaud. Okay, did you have your thinking hats on, by the way? Because this is, we're going to, okay, so in what society does that happen? Hello? In what society can I pray in a cor- out on the street, Father God, I honor you and blah 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 and everyone says love that guy. <laughs> Our society sorta yes. Oh, wait a second. Getting ahead of the game. That was the society that Jesus was in, wasn't it? It was what it was exactly what he was addressing. He was addressing social structures that gave access to power that were within the religious system but had nothing to do with God. They'd completely rejected God. Jesus was addressing this, y'all. That only happens in a society where Christianity or whatever that religion has become the expectation, the norm. Think of the Roman Catholic church throughout history. Okay, we tracking? Popes, cardinals, who held insane political and religious power. Okay, so the problem of a firmly established Christendom society is voicing allegiance to Christ becomes a tool of social advancement. Got it? We've talked about this, right? Like 50 years ago in places like the Bible Belt South and even other places of America, it was imperative for a businessman to be in church because that's how they networked. That's how they showed they were good, upright, moral, ethical people. And if you want to do business with that guy, he better be in the pew on Sunday morning, okay? The consequence of this the consequence of Christendom, right, is that Christianity, that is, remember what Christianity is? That's biblical, fully surrendered, following Jesus. is just not needed anymore. Society levels out. Wealth and success and stability has been established. All the foundations, all on the foundations of Christic, uh, Christian ethic and morality. Show the next slide there, uh, Vanessa. So this is what always happens, y'all. I'm telling you, this is history. What always happens is society grows. It flourishes when these things are established. Society levels out. And people miss this. Again, I've mentioned this before. Uh, they only want to point out the abuses and the corruptions of Christendom, but it was the Bible that caused them to say, yo, injustice is wrong. Slavery is wrong, right? William Wilberforce, Martin Luther King Jr. All right, we tracking? All fought injustice, and oppression in the name of Christianity. These are the men that, shaped our society today, right? Early Christianity, do you know early Christianity was mocked for its welcoming women in their ranks? Okay, so we get this wrong all the time, right? But the Bible's the foundation of almost all humanitarian efforts to create a more ethical society. It is, right? Especially in the 19th and 20th century. The Christian work ethic, y'all, the Christian compassion tends to create a really successful society, right? Now think, No matter where you stand with Jesus, if everyone actually did the things Jesus said, it'd be heaven on earth. Go read Matthew 5 through 7 and prove me wrong. But the point is, wealth and success follow Christendom. It's just true. And what happens is Christianity starts to get lost. Y'all, Jesus is uninvited from the feast. We'll just take the food, thanks. Right? We don't want heaven on earth. According to the Bible, we want our version of heaven, right? Which keeps us in control. We don't want God. We just want his stuff, right? We prefer creation over creator, right? And what inevitably happens in Christendom society is biblical, historical Christianity slowly begins to disappear. Let's show it, right? You never actually have to deal with Jesus as an individual here. Without surrender, you can be in Christendom society... You can pursue it without surrender, without death to self, without sacrifice, without cultivating sensitivity to Jesus. Church becomes meaningless platitudes and cliches. The Holy Spirit is ignored. Christians can now live their lives without any reliance on the Holy Spirit or inconvenience of an actual relationship with God. Christianity begins to decline. We're tracking? Okay. Now, what happens when you hollow a thing out? What happens when you remove the density and the substance that gave it its integrity and strength in the first place? Well, it eventually implodes under its own weight. When Christian society and culture soon begin to disappear, uh, institutions begin to fail. You see? Because the thing that caused and sustained it as distinctly Christian has been removed. It's been gutted. I'll just quote the Pope for you on this one. Christendom is no, no longer exists. Brothers and sisters, Christendom no longer exists. That's the Pope. Interesting, isn't it? Wow. Thanks a lot, Chris. Super encouraged. Okay, it gets better. Um, Most historians say that World War II was the death of Christendom in Europe. America hung on a bit longer. But after the slow erosion of 70s, 80s, and 90s, the South hung on a bit longer, right? And now here we are in 2023. And being a Christian in America is less and less acceptable. Y'all, we live in a post-Christendom society. We do. Slowly but surely, we are seeing the marginalization of Christians and Christian ideas. The South might have been the last stronghold of Christendom in America, but COVID and all the craziness of the past three years really had an impact, didn't it? Most churches today are, what, one-third smaller than pre-COVID? That's true for us. Okay? Now, at this point, I'm sure some of you are like, aren't you supposed to be like, everything's going to be okay? <laughs> like, this is horrible news. <laughs> Why are you telling us this? This is just depressing. Let me share a little bit more depressing news and then we'll turn a corner, okay? As Christian morals and ethics and culture begin to erode, society itself becomes unraveled because the very foundation upon what it was built, which was an accepted moral code of right and wrong, has been rejected. Everyone understand what I just said? OK, when no one can agree on really, really basic things like what's right and wrong, you lose a cohesive cultural identity. You lose a vision for what it means to be an American, right? Things tend to go south. You get compartmentalization in society, separations occur, and things get violent. Past three years, anybody? OK, and what happens? What happens in, in this vacuum of a cultural vision? You understand what I'm saying? Christianity was the cultural vision for a long time in America. That's not the case anymore. What happens in the vacuum of that cultural vision? Well, everyone begins vying and competing to establish a new cultural vision. All right. So a new way to view the world, a new norm, different answers to universal questions of existence, like what's the point of life and how does one achieve happiness and extremely aggressive voices try to establish their worldview as the new norm. We tracking Or as my buddy said, the cultural throne of America is now vacant. And the number one runner up for that throne is probably politics. That's probably the number one thing that people are trying to thrust to the top to give you a vision for what it means to be a human. That's probably the number one thing people are trying to thrust up to your imagination to say, answer the question, what's the problem with the world? Well, the problem is the politics. We tracking? We all got to answer this question. What's the problem with the world? There it is, see? And how do we fix it? Everyone has an answer to that. And there used to be an understanding in America that kind of held us culturally together. That's no longer there, y'all. The cultural throne of America is vacant. And so some real chipper news before we turn a corner, just a real honest assessment of this would probably put our society right around there. (laughs) There. So things are really looking up, right? (laughs) With the loss of Christendom, remember, that means a Christian society, a Christian culture. It means that Christians no longer have the social power they once had. We tracking? Okay, so what does that mean? Christians no longer have the social power. That means that pastors aren't consulted anymore. Businessmen no longer need to show up in church. Christian policies are amended. Christian politicians marginalized. When Christendom disappears, right, it's no longer socially advantageous to be a Christian. Okay? And then Christians began to lose social political power. Is that happening today? Okay. Now, I want to help you. Everyone look here. I wanna help you right now. I wanna serve you as your pastor right now. I wanna help you distinguish something that's going on in our society and our culture, right? There have been, lean in, there have been many well-intended efforts by good people, right, who mean well, probably love the Lord, who have been rightly freaked out by this cultural shift, right? And they have said, we've got to do something. Not going to sit idly by and watch Christendom slip between our fingers, right? And this is essentially culture wars, okay? So it's what's been happening in America the past 50, 60 years, right? But the question is look right here, what are they really freaking out about? What are they freaking out about? What are they trying to hold on to? What people are often really freaking out about is not the loss of Christianity, it's the loss of Christendom. They aren't bemoaning the fact that they can't surrender to Jesus anymore. Right? They're not bemoaning the fact that Jesus no longer has power to save. They're not whining because they can't trust in him. They're not whining because the love of Christ is no longer effective. They're freaking out about the loss of cultural power. It's not the same thing, y'all. Christianity and Christendom are not the same thing. We're tracking. Right? And in many cases, in culture wars, what we're seeing is a desperate attempt to hold on to social power. And often has very little to do with holding on to the real power of God being transformed by the gospel. All right, look right here. Who is God that he would lose any of his power because of men? Huh? Is there anything that can take the power of God away? He owns all the cattle on the field, man. Life of nations are a drop in a bucket compared to him. Are you telling me that if America goes to hell in a handbasket, God's no longer on the throne? Is that what you're saying? Are you saying if Christians lose cultural power in America, God's not, he's going to stop leaving the 99 for the one. you saying the cross is no longer going to have power to transform? Dude, what's your confidence in, man? Sorry, I'm getting real aggressive there. Uh, I'm going to pull that back. I'm going to pull that back. All right. Just rein it in a little bit. Listen right here. Listen, I'm trying to encourage you today. No amount of loss of cultural political power can or ever will diminish the power of the gospel. Thank you. All right. The power of God to redeem, to transform lives, to reconcile men to God. This is what leads us to what's really good news. Historically, whenever the church gains political power, it tends to shrivel up in spiritual power. As someone said, who I can't remember, when the church no longer says silver and gold, I have not, it also no longer says now stand and walk in the name of Jesus. In other words, social and political power comes nowhere close to the spiritual power of the gospel and God's Holy Spirit. Amen. All right? Or you could say it this way Christianity is greater than Christendom. Right. Christianity is the cause. Christendom is the social acceptance of the thing. And the reality is, historically and today, in China and in other places around the world, it's when Christians become marginalized and even persecuted, it's when Christendom is not socially acceptable that true Christianity tends to catch like a wildfire. Look in history, man. Why? 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 Because all the corrupt, ulterior motives are ripped from the scene. Consumeristic Christians get out because they're not willing to suffer for Jesus. That's not what they're in it for. All the perks dry up for being a Christian. So they're out, right? And when the church seems to dwindle and die, just like it seems to be doing in America, there's a lot of well-meaning Christians who the sky's falling and they are run around with their hair caught on fire, right? I'd like to argue right now the tension you feel that we all maybe feel, I don't know, I don't really keep up with the news, but man, it's been a tough couple years, right? The tension is God sharpening his chosen like an arrow to be flung into the world in supernatural power and strength. I think all of the turmoil and the furniture just coming off the floor in the past three years of our lives is God pulling back the string. I believe it, dude. Let me just show you something really quick in which I want to show you the scenario in which Christianity exploded and changed the entire course of history in the first century and what they were up against. Let me, let's pull it up. I got to turn this way. Oh, is there another one? Vanessa, is there a little thing? Oh, bummer. Wow. We've really done a great job today with that, haven't we? Um, Basically, it was a list of all of the social and political power of uh, Christians in the first century, which was none, right? Like, how many Christians? A couple hundred. Uh, how many seminaries? Zero. How many bishops? Zero. How many institutions? Zero. Uh, how much money? Very little. Uh, you know, and it just goes on and on and on and on about the lack of cultural resources that the church had in the first century, right? You get you tracking? Right? And then it just. So, anyway, it are supposed to encourage you. Christianity exploded. And then, uh, you know, in the couple centuries that follow after, Nero uh, um, names Christians an enemy of the state, right? Enemy of the state. And, dude, it just explodes. It literally takes over, right? So, trying to encourage you today. All the past three years of turmoil and, and uncertainty, Pastor Matt Chandler has just he'd been screaming at his church. He's saying, You were made for a day like today. Because guess what happens when society starts falling apart at the hinges? Like the past three years, right? Like what happens when people hit their limitations and anxiety and stress and addiction reveal the internal dumpster fire their soul's been living in, right? When all the stresses and strains that are going on reveal that they aren't enough, that isn't working. Y'all, they start asking questions, man. They start a question like, what's the matter with me? Why do I feel broken? Why are politics broken? Why are people around me broken? They start looking for answers. Do you guys know the number one Google search on our church is celebrate recovery near me? People are languishing, Kevin, he likes that. People are languishing. They're dealing with all the self-medicating habits that have been developed in a time of isolation when society seemed to be falling apart and they're looking for peace, right? They're looking for a vision. They're looking for an answer for what it means. A cultural vision. What does it mean to pursue happiness? What does it mean? How do you achieve happiness? What's the problem in the world? People are asking these kind of questions right now. And everyone and their mom claims they have the answer, right? So you, have, you have the politic group. Politics is the problem. And the answer is what? New guy in office, right? And everyone's super angry about it, right? The problem is legislation. What's the answer? New rules, our rules. The problem is that men are in charge. Amen. <laughs> put a woman in charge, right? right? Listen, I, I'm not diminishing all these problems, right? I got no problems letting my wife drive, right? I'll put some claw marks on the seat, Papa's annex, right? We'll be fine. now. no. But if, if the church is too busy whining in a corner that it doesn't get discounts in the market anymore, we're going to miss the opportunity on the doorstep to proclaim the gospel with clarity and conviction again. We tracking? Right? Like the social, the societal downturn, y'all. Societal downturn opens a new hearing for the gospel in the hearts of men. Societal downturn opens a new hearing for the gospel in the hearts of men. The opportunity at the door, man, for biblically rooted, Holy Spirit empowered Christians to get their head out of the sand and get over themselves and the little agendas and remember what God's heart beats for. Right? People. That's what God's heart beats for. People in death, people languishing in sin, people that don't know him, don't walk with him, don't love him, don't flourish and thrive with his Holy Spirit pulsing in their lives, man. That's what his heart beats for, right? And with everything feeling more and more unstable in society, y'all, I'm just saying, man, people are longing for a sense of sound foundation that transcends society. They're seeing the holes in the infrastructure, and they're looking for something more transcendent than whatever the cultural norm is. Guys, anyone Anyone tracking? Like cultural fatigue. What am I supposed to hate today? What, is, what am I supposed to be? Right? Everyone's just fatigued being told what to think about things. They're looking for something more transcendent that's beyond culture, right? Y'all, it's our time. Like it's the church's time to step forward and say we have, there's something that roots us that so far transcends society and culture and it's eternally establishing us on a sense of peace and joy in the gospel. There's never been a more ripe time if you ask me for Christians to step up and with clarity and conviction, begin proclaiming the gospel like you're not ashamed of it. Beginning inviting people to church like you're not ashamed of it. Think that we got something that everyone wants. And everyone's calling us different names and everyone's saying the solution's really this, the solution's really that. I mean, I'm telling you right now, what I believe, not just because I have the mic, what I believe because my life has just exemplified this, is intimacy with God fixes a lot of stuff that a lot of things won't fix. Nearness with Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, can empower you in a way that politics never can. Because we have, some of you don't believe this, we have an answer that every human longs for. Some of us don't believe it. We're just living in churchianity. We're just riding Christendom out, whining about the fact we don't get caught discounts at whatever anymore. And we have answers that every human heart longs for, that we believe electrifies humanity when they submit to those answers. So this is my question for you, man. Are you electrified by the gospel? Are you? Is it the answer? We believe it, do we? is it? Is it? When you meditate on the work of God in history, when you read scriptures, does it answer those questions for you? Or do you, huh? Okay, right, so I just want, I just, I'm trying to tell you, man, I believe there's a hunger in our society. I and mean, we, we should not be surprised at the growth of um, new age spirituality. Because people are looking for something that transcends this culture. Like got culture fatigue, right? And I think in our gut, we know the real answer. So. The hotter society gets in terms of pressure against Christianity, I would like to suggest to you the more aggressive God gets in the earth. The more aggressive salvations become, the sharper and more dramatic conversions become. Revival starts popping up, right? And let me just say, man, God always has his man or his woman who will surrender their agendas to Jesus every time and place, right? And I think God wants to remind us of the nature of his mission for us, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, people who will declare forgiveness and the restoration to the Father by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Y'all, the church has one mission, one flag, one message, and it's that Jesus is the Christ. That's our message. And it's not ours at all, it's his. The gospel, the good news. And let me tell you something. The gospel ain't say this prayer so you can go to heaven when you die. That's the gospel according to church, but now we're getting into next week, all right? Let me just say this. If you have a friend who is de-churched, you know, de-churched, like they used to go to church, maybe still consider themselves a Christian, but they're disconnected, dude, next week is the gospel according to the Bible. And bring somebody. All right, let's stand and pray. So like I said, today was a little bit different. It wasn't the normal, but uh, really today was just one long introduction to next week, right? And, and in reality, I started this as one sermon, and I was like, nope, not going to, not going to. get it. Stand with me and let's pray. Jesus, over my friends today, I pray that you would strengthen their bones, Lord. God, I pray that they would walk out of here in courage, walking up straight, Lord. You just like, man, I just see people hunched over. You just straighten them out. They could walk out in confidence in who you are and what you've done. Have mercy on us, God. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we could go out from this place empowered and impacting the world around us. Thank you, Lord. You name me, pray these things. Amen. Guys, have an excellent week. We'll see you next time.